everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament, one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it. Today we get a taste of what feels like a little bit of a preview of Revelation. At least that's how I'm taking this chapter. Today we're in Matthew chapter 24, and majority of what this chapter is about is about anticipating the coming of the end of the age, uh, as well as what to anticipate, signs that you will um, experience, things that the people will see and go through, all because the coming of Jesus is near. Uh, so I don't ever really enjoy <laughs> these kinds of like end time sounding passages. That always make me really uncomfortable. Uh, but I know that Ryan really likes them because he's just really into it, I guess. <laughs> but I'm not a huge fan. So uh, today, we're going to jump into this, try to understand a little bit more of what's going on. Uh, because I think some of my, my fear of these types of chapters is built out of what's not necessarily why, there. Why do you not like them? I don't know. It just makes me feel uncomfortable. There are things that I hear and I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds like what we're going through right now. So it's just like, I don't know. Just makes me feel uncomfortable. It's interesting. I think there there's several things to talk about, like from the top before we get even into the text. One is that I I do notice many Christian people are like uneasy about any kind of end times anything. Yeah. It is important from the very beginning that you understand there are several different interpretations of how the end times will go. And we definitely don't know who's right and who's wrong because it hasn't happened. Well, can I say something too? I feel like Christians oftentimes, at least for myself, I'm so certain of God and I'm so certain of his promises and all these things because of what his word tells us and because of things that have happened. Yeah. This is all out of con- like out of my control. And it seems like something that I, it's harder to put my trust in because I have, I haven't seen it. I haven't experienced it. So it's like, oh, One I don't of the know what to do with it. I have noticed about these kind of passages. And this is probably like, there's some of this in Thessalonians. There's some of this in Daniel. There's some of this here in Matthew. There's some of this obviously in Revelation. One of the things I have noticed is that if I start getting uneasy um, about end times kind of language, it's actually because I still find a lot of comfort in very earthly things. Yeah, I think that's true too. So it, it makes you uneasy because it's like, well, I don't want to experience discomfort. Like I don't want to experience uh, like a like a sin-filled fi- world. I don't want to experience opposition. And that actually, honestly, honestly, uh, that should give you like a check and a pause in your it spirit. It always does, but it's still not like, uh, yeah, it, sign me up. <laughs> it, should, it should reveal to you that your allegiance is not completely in Christ. And I say that like as, I'm serious. And I say that as somebody who I completely understand like why you have these hesitations and you have these fears and you have these concerns. But keep in mind that these things were written and spoken to disciples and believers to give them comfort and purpose and perseverance. So the message to us is no matter what, we are allegiant to Christ, only Christ. He is the most important, most valuable thing to us. We are to seek first his kingdom and all these other things will be added to us. So this stuff shouldn't actually cause us to freak out. And I do think 
like I think freak out might be a lot. It do, it just makes me uncomfortable. It do, it does because it's like we don't know what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, I, I just I feel like we sell ourselves short when we get so uneasy about these passages because ultimately we have a God who loves us, a God who cares for us, a God who provides for us, uh, a God who knows the end of all things and has planned for us good and perfect purposes. So they actually should like these passages should not scare us. These passages should cause us to trust who God is uh, and be obedient to who he is and what he's called us to do. And one of the things he has called us to do is endure to the end. And if that means that we endure through extremely difficult times, if we endure through incredible persecution, uh, that's the call. And that Mm -hmm. is the purpose that he has put on our lives. So I do like just from the top, again, we haven't even got into the verses yet, but from the top, really pay attention to if this kind of stuff scares you or makes you uncomfortable or freaks you out because I think it does reveal that you're taking more comfort from the world than you should. And I think it reveals that you don't quite trust God to be um, who we should believe he is, if that makes sense. Um, Well, and naturally as humans, you know, like we always associate things with prior experiences. And honestly, my only prior experience is to know to be scared of the end times. So (laughs) I do think it is important to handle these passages sort of open-ended. And I do not mean to the point of like heresy or crazy talk. Um, but just understand that there are really faithful people that understand these patches, passages differently. So I think we should jump into it a little bit because there's definitely a couple of ways that this is laid out by Jesus. There's questions from the actual disciples asking like, well, what's this going to even look like? And Jesus starts to explain to them. He also describes like what the world will be like, what people will be like. Um, and then we move into just other, I don't know, other pieces of it with the actual coming of the Son of Man. There's another fig tree lesson, of course. Yeah. And then just the ultimate, like, no one's actually going to know the day. No one's going to know the hour. It's just going to be something that, that happens, and you better be ready. I think that is a huge, important piece. Nobody knows the time, so don't get scared. Just endure and have faith. Like, that is a huge part of this passage. So this all kicks off because <laughs> Jesus is such a downer. The disciples are like, Jesus, look at this incredible, beautiful temple and it's mm-hmm. widely understood that it was a, a fairly beautiful temple though not as beautiful as the one Solomon built and Jesus right off the top is like yeah it's all going to get destroyed it's all coming down and they're like what mm-hmm. <laughs> um and he, Jesus is prophesying um that this is going to happen and this did happen in AD 70 the Romans utterly destroyed the temple. That is why there is no temple there today. How long is that after Jesus' death? Jesus lives till about 30, 35. There's, there, different people have different dates. So it's like a good 50 years after. No, it's about 30 years after. Oh, they said 80. No, 80, 70. So it's about 30 years later. Uh, well, like four, 30 or 40. And it does happen. And so I think... One of the key passages to this entire chapter is verse 34. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So the people that he's speaking to, he is saying, this generation will not pass away until this happens. If you know what happened in AD 70, that's only 30 years after Jesus is telling them this story. 
it, it is within that generation. It is definitely within that generation. The problem is all these apostles gave their lives to honor Christ. So a lot of them did die uh, before it happened. But th- this is like a huge event in human history, a huge event in Jewish history, Christian history. The Romans completely destroyed the temple. And a lot of this passage is about the siege of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. Because if you know much about how the destruction of the temple went in AD 70, it basically goes chapter and verse word by word, exactly how Matthew 24 plays out. So from the top, if you understand that I think Jesus was speaking a lot about what was going to occur 30, 40 years later, about the temple being destroyed and Jerusalem being seized, I think it takes a lot of the fear away because a lot of these events already occurred. They already happened. They happened in AD 70, so they happened almost, what, 2,000 years ago. Um, however, there is like a there is like a, a near-term prophecy here and a future-term prophecy. There's, there's no question that there's also part of this that Jesus is speaking about that is to occur at some point in the future. And there's mm-hmm. no question that like a lot of this lines up with what's being taught in Revelation about some future return of Christ, some future judgment that will occur, and some period of extreme uh, lawlessness and like period of people being far from God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, that's some of the stuff that freaked me out too. Cause it was like, oh man, some of these descriptive words about what the, the world will be like seems very close to where we're at currently. It does, but you will find that people have been saying that Forever. Always, yeah, forever. Yeah, you yeah. you can find you can find New Testament passages that say that the world is like that. Jesus is constantly telling people that they love mm-hmm. money too much. He's constantly telling that they're they're not merciful. He's constantly saying that they don't honor their parents. So there's no question that like the spirit of the Antichrist, Antichrist is already present. Antichrist is everybody who is against Christ. It's already here. It's been here for a long time. The kingdom of God is moving forward. It is advancing. More and more people are hearing the gospel. So I I just don't hear these passages and get depressed. Mm -hmm. Hear these passages and honor Christ because his kingdom has advanced. And all of this um, destruction and desolation has not destroyed Christ's kingdom. It has actually advanced it. There are a couple things that I do want to point out just for history's sake. Um, the first thing I've already been talking about, he says that not one stone will stand. That's true. Like in Jerusalem right now on the Temple Mount stands the al Aska Mosque and the Dome on the Rock. Like the temple's not there. It's now like this Muslim shrine, this mm-hmm. Muslim mosque. Mm-hmm. So that is because what Jesus said became true. He also teaches them that there's going to be a lot of people that claim to be the Christ. And it's very true um, that at, like during this period of time, many people came into Jerusalem claiming to be the Messiah. And some of them were extremely violent. Like some of them tried to lead revolts against the Romans. They tried to claim that they were the Messiah so that the Jews would follow them. Many of them were killed. Ultimately, all these uproars and revolts is why the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And so Jesus is saying like, hey, people are going to come that claim to be the Christ. Don't listen to them. And that is true. Like that happened. The other thing I want to call out is that there is this weird parentheses note. If you look at verse uh, 15, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, then in parentheses, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. There's so much discussion about what this uh, abomination of desolation Mm -hmm. is. There's several um, 
several cases that people make that say like it was this, it was this, it was this. Um, there were a few key times in history where someone marched into the temple, essentially, even into the Holy of Holies, and set up idols to themselves, or set up idols to like be an affront to God. And so many people believe that that is probably part of this. Like actually, mm. when the Romans destroyed the temple, they would have marched in with their, um, they had like these staffs with little figures on them and stuff. Um, many of the Jews believed that that was idolatrous. And so the Romans actually marched into the temple complex and sacrificed idols to their little poles and staffs and flags just to like annoy the Jews. And so many people believe, Hey, that, that, um, abomination of desolation actually occurred in AD 70, right before they destroyed the temple. There's also compelling cases that this could be a future event. There's compelling cases that this could have been other kinds of events that have happened throughout history. Um, there's, there's a lot of attention that gets paid to this. So if you're anything like me and you read this and it is a little unsettling, something that I think Ryan was alluding to with just historical suggestions that some of these things have already occurred. If you look at the the lesson from the fig tree. This is a like short section towards the end of the chapter. Um, it is talking about how this fig tree that Jesus is re- referring to, um, he re- I guess he kind of like compares it to the generation of believers at the time. And verse 34 says, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So there's like two parts to this. It's like um, what Jesus says is that all of these things that maybe do make us feel a little uncomfortable, um, the generation will not pass away until all of them have taken place. But at the same time, uh, it's like comforting to know that although everything else may like fall apart and fall to the wayside, the words of the Lord will never pass away. So there's just something, I think there's comfort that you can take from this. Um, But again, it's always with that fig tree that that lesson is, I think, taught over and over and over again. I I would add, if you look at verse 45, Jesus tells like a, a really short parable. He says, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Like it, it's this short little parable about like a good servant and a bad servant. Stay faithful the whole time. Exactly. It, essentially, like if we are going to steward the things that God has given us well, we're going to endure and stay faithful. We're not going to get lazy. We're not going to lose sight. And and actually I would add, like we're, we're not going to be afraid. We're going to like serve faithfully and boldly with courage. Like some of us uh, like live through relatively peaceful times mm-hmm. and some of us live through relatively tumultuous times. And the important thing is to faithfully steward the the people, the relationships, the possessions, like everything that God has given us so that when he does return, if we are to see that, mm-hmm. um, we would be held as faithful, trustworthy stewards that honored him with our lives. So I, I would just really encourage you, don't be afraid of this. 
Don't be scared of these passages. If you are committed to Christ, you have nothing to be afraid of because you know that he has power over all things, over all people, over all systems, over all nations, over all governments. And we can like faithfully serve him and honor him and not fall away from him. That's mm-hmm. the your part. Like, don't be afraid. Just serve boldly. So we'll be back again tomorrow with Matthew 25. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you. We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month. Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind, here's today's reading. Matthew chapter 24. Jesus left the temple and it was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, so that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are but the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then they may fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house, and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, Look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, Look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. 
Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near, at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be out in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom his master has set over his household, to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour that he does not know, and will cut him in pieces, and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. Let us know what you thought of today's episode, and if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. As always, if you don't have a Bible, or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email, and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.